Marcus here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Amen. Thank you, Tony. Woo. Hey, Uncle Tony. This scan code thing's called a QR code. <laughs> I had to. He's like, this scan code thingy. <laughs> The QR code died, and then COVID happened, and it came back. The greatest comeback of all times. Not even Michael Jordan could do that. So, as Tony mentioned, we're thankful, and we appreciate you supporting the ministry. And we are excited about what's coming. And, yes, we hope that you'll join us Good Friday for our Good Friday service. Easter Sunday as well. And invite and we do have right in the back as well some invite cards right next to the eggs. Grab a few of those. Invite somebody to come. I am in church today because somebody invited me. That's where it started. That's where it started many, many years ago. And um, that's just what we want to do. Invite them in and love on them. Let's love on them. And so this morning as we continue on in the Peace of Mind series we are going to take a look at our thoughts. Um, I want to ask you this. What is it that you say when you talk to yourself? We all talk to ourselves. Don't deny it. And I'm not just talking about the normal stuff like, oh, I can't forget the milk or I can't forget garlic powder at the store when I go. Or I can't forget to pick up the kids. I'm... <laughs> That can be very problematic. <laughs> I'm talking the ongoing self-talk that you have with yourself. What you say over and over again. Those loops in your mind. Those ongoing loops. And today we're going to talk about those ongoing loops. And how sometimes they become negativity loops and those are not okay places to be those are struggles those are not good spots maybe they're those moments when you're in traffic and you think what an idiot that person is i'm not the only one that has that thought good to know or maybe you struggle with finances and being feeling like you're broke or struggle with relationship and feeling like you just can't trust or there's a mistrust with things what do you say when you talk to yourself what do you say when you talk to yourself see what you say to yourself matters way more than you can imagine. Because it starts here. The mind, as we've been talking, is a very powerful thing. Very powerful. In Proverbs, verse 4, 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Another version says it this way. It says, Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. 
Your thoughts shape you. They shape us. There's what's called the law of cognition. This is what you think is going to turn into what you believe, and then what you believe is going to turn into what you feel, and then what you feel is going to turn into what you do. One of the things as I mentor folks and talk with them is, is this concept of believing and then feeling and then acting upon it. That changes the mindset. What you believe and then you feel in your heart and then you go out and act upon will, will, will begin to change your thought process. Whether good or bad. Whether good or bad. Uh, Dr. Paul David Tripp says this, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> That's a good one. Write it down. Take a, take a snapshot of that. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. We talk to ourselves. Some of you are talking to yourselves right now. You're thinking, did I really turn the roast on or did I forget? Did I leave the curling iron on or did I forget? Or did I turn it off? You're thinking, I thought I pulled two socks together that matched for my son this morning, but he's got different ones on. <clears throat> but some of us, some of us are talking ourselves into a life that we're going to hate. And we live in this world today of this. We talk ourselves into a life that we hate. I was having a simple conversation with the boys this morning. How do you think church is going to go this morning, Dad? I said, it's going to be great. Well, I don't know. The snow and the weather and people know this and no power. And I'm like, you guys come in and hear the message that the Lord has this morning. Because even in their young minds, they're beginning, they beginning to paint a picture, worried about their friends that might be or not be in there this morning with them. We paint this picture of life. We paint a picture of Monday mornings. <clears throat> I've said it before. I don't jump out of bed on Monday mornings. I, I, I'll be dead honest. I strive to and go, woo, it's Monday morning. But it's, it's more like, whoo. It's Monday. <laughs> However, as I begin to change the course and the direction of my mind and say, thank you, Lord, it's Monday morning. It begins to change. Because what I believe and what I feel here, I'm going to act out. And the same goes for you. This morning, the title is Silence Your Negative Thoughts. Father, this morning as we enter into this time, I just pray that you open up our minds, that you open up our hearts to hear, and that we would take these words that you've given us today, that we would apply them to our lives, that we would lean into them so that we can grow closer to you. I pray all these things in your name. Chronic negativity, it's a massive problem. It's poisoning people's mental health. It's not just practical, it's spiritual. And we have to remember this. We have to remember this. 
I want you to understand this, that your thoughts have incredible power. You have incredible power over your thoughts. How you choose to process what comes in is up to you. You may be far enough along that you don't think that anymore, but it truly is up to you. At some point, you flipped the switch. You made the decision. How we analyze and how we look at things is up to us. It says in Romans chapter 8, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. What this is saying, those who live in accordance with the flesh, the flesh, the fleshly desires, what he's referencing here is the sinful nature within us. That desire that, you know, when someone does you wrong, you wave and say, I love you, right? (laughs) this fleshly this earthly desire in verse 6 it says the mind governed by the flesh is death the mind governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace life and peace. Do you long for that life? Do you long for that peace? So many people search for it in many different ways. They're searching to find it. I have three goals this morning, and they're very straightforward and blunt because that's how I like it. When I came to know Christ, I didn't have somebody circle in the bush and handed me cotton candy, he shot me straight. And so that's how I strive to choose to do it. Three, three goals this morning is to show you why these negative thoughts are killing you. You're welcome for that positivity. <laughs> Identify it and then make the change. Make the change. Why is it that negativity is so toxic. We have and struggle with what's called a negativity bias. Neuroscience shows that negative events, negative events imprint on your brains more quickly and linger longer than positive ones. How many of you can remember negative events through the time of COVID? Raise your hand. How many of you can remember some positive things? Whoa. Negative events imprint on your brains more quickly, and they linger longer. You say, prove it. Absolutely, we can prove it. Think about maybe a presentation and... An outfit failure happens in the Super Bowl. You remember the negativity that happens there. Three people complain. And 150 give you compliments. 
What do you remember? It's a wrestling within us. See, we have to choose to focus on the compliments and not the criticisms. Think about social media. What spreads quicker? The crap. Yeah. Much quicker. In the news, they say if it bleeds, it leads, man. In the news. That's the stuff we want to hear. They get us all hyped up and talk about this storm that's coming. We could get 37 inches. They, they thrive in this place to get us all worked up, to have us living in this fight or flight mentality in life. And that's what chronic negativity does. It sends us into a constant state of fight or flight. And we are living more there today than ever before. We live in a fight or flight state of mind. And that is not of God. That is not why Jesus came and walked this earth. So that we would live in a fight or flight mindset. He came for something much greater. To take that away. You see, in, in our brains, when we deal with stressful situations, God has designed our brains to release cortisol, and it goes to our blood system. And it can be a good thing, but in our lives it's become negative, and it's creating anxiety and stress and depression and chronic negativity. And how we're taught to deal with it is to just take this pill, and now you've got a side effect, so take this one and take that one. And, and I'll leave that for your doctor to talk to you about or somebody else to preach about. But the fact is that we need to become more alert and more focused on how it is that the enemy is coming after us. How he is trying to kill, steal, and destroy. I don't want to give that sucker too much credit because he doesn't deserve any at all. But he has the ability to get, and it, it, not even a foothold. If he gets the door open, look out. He gets in our mind and he begins to change the way we think. And then we become negative. And then that's an area where we try to control and become our own God and we let the devil control us. Paul says that the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. What do you long for? I hope it's life and peace. But why is it that we wrestle so hard? Why is it that we focus on the negative? Because in our minds and what I read in these books and articles, and again, I am no doctor, but I do love to learn about the mind. 
because it's such a powerful thing. It's more complicated than women. I got your attention. (laughs) I'm careful. I'm careful. I'm careful. Negativity creates neural pathways that we form. And when we take that path, it becomes routine. It becomes a rut. You know what a rut is? It's a grave with the ends knocked out. I got myself in a few ruts Friday night and Saturday morning. Why did I go out in that? Because I am male and I like a challenge. So I drove a huge loop in a Ford Fusion to see if I could do it. I did it. But I took the pathways that I knew. And when I couldn't take the pathways that I knew, I had to divert and go a different direction. And in going a different direction, it was an unknown. You see, with negativity, we become okay with it and we will embrace it because it's what we know. We're afraid to try something new. I had a conversation with a young man in my home the other day, and we were talking about, he said, hey, can I meet with you? Can I talk with you? Can I have one of those dinner table discussions that you talk about? I said, let's do it. And he was wrestling with this. I know what I'm supposed to do, but it's easier to do this. How many of us find ourselves in that place in life? That tension, tension can be healthy. It's good to have tension. The way for a rubber band to work properly is with tension. And if you know how to aim that thing, my dad used to be a draftsman. He taught me how to shoot a rubber band. I could probably hit any one of you directly because it's all in how the tension is. You have to, I I don't know, now I'm going to get into a big old. You have to hold it at a triangle, then you release the triangle. You get tension on one side and it's looser on the other side and you get a direct connection. I'm not so good anymore, but I used to be good enough with those that I could sink those suckers right into a styrofoam cup. I could draw blood. And as a male, that is an awesome thing. But when it comes to the negativity, and negativity becomes a habit, and we we allow this tension to come, and we we take the easy way out. We give in to ourselves. We go the route that we know. Even though we can see the lights flashing and we know that we're not going to get through that way, we still go. Because it's what we know. And we would rather sit and wait in the traffic than to go a different way. The same thing with negativity. We would rather sit and dwell in it than to try something new. Why is that? Why is that? Negativity becomes a habit, and and then it becomes a default posture. And this comes from the items that you bring into your life, the news that you consume. 
I do listen to the news every now and then, but I listen to one guy, and then when my blood pressure gets up, I turn it off, and I'm done for the week. So if I miss something the other days, it's just gone. I miss it. Because I really don't need it. Maybe it's the shows that you watch or the music that you listen to, and you're like, but listen, I'm on 696. I got to go 90. I got to have that aggressive music. It changes your mind. Maybe it's the constant scrolling of the social media. What you take in has to go somewhere. And it will begin to change your mind. It will begin to change the way that you think. The people that you spend time with. Think about it. I've unfortunately met people in life that sometimes I avoid them. And it's not that I want to avoid them, it's just I don't want the negativity in my life. Why is it that we let it in so easily? We're creating an inner script for our life that are setting us up for something. What is that something that you're being set up for? You see, I said it, and I say it again. Your thoughts have incredible power, but you have incredible power over your thoughts. These negative events that imprint on your brain more quickly, and they linger longer than positive ones. Negativity becomes a habit. Do we recognize this? Do we realize this? We need to. We need to be willing to recognize where we're most prone to negativity. What is it for you? What is it for you? For me, I know what it is for me. It's the news. It is. And so through COVID, I had to realize that I don't need the news in my life. Lots of certain channels. Again, I have one source, and I'm not here to debate all that. That's between you and whatever you want to do. You want to watch it, and that's your thing, and that's fine. I don't need that to get me all worked up in life. Because here's the deal. If Jesus is who he says he is, why am I getting all worked up about this stuff? If the word of God is what it says it is, you can't undo what's being done right now. This in our lives, what's in front of us, has to play out in order for the one who put himself on that cross and then rose again three days later. He has to come back in order for it to play out. And he will come back. And so we are going to journey through what may seem like a living hell on earth at times and at moments because we are more in tune with the negative than we are the positive. Negativity is everywhere and it's spreading. 
You see, and we're, we're talking about this because you can't defeat what you can't define. If you can't define the problem, it can't be fixed. I had this, we had this Ford Focus when Laura and I first got married. She bought it, and I was a little nervous about it, but she got that thing. It was one of the biggest lemons in the world. I mean, it had problem after problem. This check engine light would come on, and then we'd take it in, and then this would, and it was always, and they could never define the issue, but they knew how to take my money. Negativity will take your happiness, and it won't define the issue. You have to define what it is and know what it is and lean into it. And so as we look, and we ask the question, where are you most prone to negativity? There are four areas. I don't want you to look at these and go, oh, I wish so-and-so were here today. Because, yeah, they have one, but you have one too. And we need to look at ourselves, and we need to reflect on that and say, what is it that I need to change in me? And maybe you're like, well, I'm praying this for so-and-so. Well, pray for them. But also to pray that God changes your heart when you pray for them. One of the most amazing things when I've taken the time to pray for somebody, you know what God changes first? Them. No, just kidding. He changes me. He changes my heart. And I'm able to move forward. The first area is cynicism. And I'll say relational cynicism. A general distrust for people. And their motives, well, I don't trust them, and I don't believe that they have their, their, their you know, we, we, we have a bad taste in our mouth because we meet one salesman and we think all salesmen are bad. Sorry that that happens, Jake. <laughs> we, have a, we, we have a bad scenario with one situation, and we get this disgust and distrust, relational cynicism, doubting. Doubting the motives of others. What's their true motive? That cynicism, it sets in. Negative filtering, negative filtering, seeing what's wrong, overlooking what's good and right, assuming the worst possible conclusion, always thinking the worst possible thing. I can remember early on in the dating years when Laura and I were dating, and this was when cell phones were just starting to come around, and I had dropped her off, and I said, I'm going to go straight home. But I decided that in my mind, in my mind I decided I was skipping, I was skipping my classes that night um, at Birmingham Bible Institute. But as I was driving, I realized, you know, I had one of those old school GPSs in there, and it showed that I could be there like four minutes after class started, but then the mail set in, and I'm like, you know what, if I go this amount of miles per hour, I can actually get to class, and I can be there early. And so I took on the challenge, and I'm like, I'm just going to go to class. And I went, and I got to class, and I made it five minutes early by the blessings of the Lord. No, it wasn't the Lord's blessing. It was my foot on the gas. But I made it there. And then Laura freaked out. This negative filtering, she was worried. She couldn't, get a, she couldn't get a hold of me. You know, this was back when you actually turned your cell phones off while you drive and stuff like that, you know? How many of us still do that? Oh, yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> she couldn't get a hold of me. She was freaking out, thought I was dead on the side of the road somewhere. 
called my dad. Then my dad called the school and found out I was there at school. Negative filtering. Looking for what's wrong instead of looking for what's right. Well, if I go out to the store, they're not going to have any of this anyways, or any of that, or I'm going to this and that. Do any of us ever think like that? Not you guys. Come on. We're always looking for what's wrong instead of looking for what's right. Then we have this absolute thinking. It's polarizing. It's black and white. If you met a jock and they hurt you, or an athlete, all athletes are the same. That's your thought process. If you were hurt by a man or you were hurt by a woman, you're going to get hurt by a man or you're going to get hurt by a woman again. That's this absolute thinking. Just because... Just because you're right doesn't mean you're righteous. And that's something to grab onto and hold on to. And it doesn't look pretty in the mirror, guys. But we've got to stop living that way. That's the way of the world. That's what it tells us. And we see more of this where we are today than ever before. That if you've made a mistake, you're just dumb. That if I disagree with you on something, we can't have a conversation. I'm just going to write it off. You're out of my life. You're gone. We can't have a disagreement or have a level conversation about things. This isolates people. This brings about negativity. Why is it that we can't have a healthy conversation and agree to disagree and move on as brothers and sisters in Christ? No, we're going to take our marbles and your marbles and somebody else's marbles and go home with all of them. It's a very dangerous place in this absolute thinking. And we see it pushed more today than ever before. Think about it. It's out there. It's everywhere. It's considered hate. I can't disagree with you on something or I hate you. That's a strong word. There's only one thing that I hate or one individual that I hate. That's the devil. I mean, I hate that sucker so much that I yell at him and call him names and things that aren't fitting for any of you to hear. He belongs in the pit of hell in the name of Jesus Christ. Aside from that, why do I hate McDonald's? They accidentally didn't give me my fries? Go back and get them. Maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, the person that served you is having a rough day and they had some negative thoughts. And maybe, just maybe, God wanted to use that opportunity for you to go back and say, it's not a big deal, but I'm here. Can I pray for you? Because we all do that every time, right? <laughs> no, I get it. 
man, stinging McDonald's, you give me my fries, I'm not going back there. I'm going to get online, I'm going to get on Facebook, I'm going to call their manager. I'm gonna... What good does it do? It's a waste of time, Jim. It's a waste of time. You just got your blood pressure up for no reason. You got to go home and take another half of blood pressure medicine to calm it down. Absolute thinking. vital to deal with this one. All four of these, but that one particularly. The last is blaming. Believing you're always the victim. I want you to understand this one is always challenging because I know that there are some of you in this room, whether here or up there, or on the other side of the screen, that you have been through very traumatic things in your life. I understand. I've been through my own trauma. But how I deal with it changes my perspective. And so, no, you're right, I probably don't understand completely. But I know that when we play the blame game, what it does to our thought process. Believing you're always the victim. that You don't have any control. Life happens to you. You can't do anything. You can. And you will. When you choose to lean into Jesus Christ. If you find yourself getting jealous, you're constantly critical. You assume the worst. You're hard on others. You're hard on yourself. We have to make this shift. And the question is, can people shift? And I'm glad you asked that question. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, you can, but it's not going to be easy because you have to lean into Jesus. You can't go at this on your own knowledge. Again, I was having a conversation with a young man this week, and I said, you have knowledge, but you know where to get wisdom? In the book of Proverbs and in God's word. Wisdom comes from the Lord. Knowledge comes from your experiences. And knowledge tells you that you're the victim every time. You're going to always believe that. And you're going to live in that space. And that's not where we're supposed to live. You really need to lean into Jesus for this one. And give it to him. All of these, though, cynicism, negative filtering, absolute thinking, blaming, leaning into Jesus makes the change. How do we do it? I want to look at David, and I want to share a story about a very bad day that David had in his life. It's probably not the one that many of you are thinking of. It's a different one. It was a very, very bad day. David shows us what to do when he's hit by an avalanche of negativity. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, as we set this up, David was having a really, really bad day. David and his troops, they came back from battle, and they discovered that the enemy had come in and burned their homes, taken their wives and children. Devastation 
was on their doorstep, literally. David, a man who was leading, what was he feeling? He was carrying the weight and the burden. And then it got better for him. No wait, it got worse. David's men started blaming him and plotting to stone him and kill him. And this is where we pick up. When David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Hold right there for a minute. David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. I am told to hold right there because someone is at that point in their, very li- in their life right at this very moment. You are struggling. You are weeping and you, you are out of strength to carry on on your own. I don't just want to give you a Sunday school answer, but I want to give you the right answer. And it's that you need to come to the foot of the cross. And you need to lay that down at the altar and give it to Jesus. It is his to carry. It is his to carry. It goes on. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit. They had allowed this negativity to turn into bitterness. That fast. That fast. Because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength. What is it that you wrestle with? We see David. We see David. And I want to go just to that verse. But David found strength in the Lord his God. It says it in another, it says it in the King James. It says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. When he found trouble and he found the struggle and he was in this, he encouraged himself in the Lord. How did he do this? What did David say? We don't know what David said. However, we can take a look in the Psalms and see how David responded in other moments. See, David had to encourage himself in the Lord. How many of us, when we're in those times and trying moments, encourage ourselves in the Lord? It's important to do. As I've dealt with negative scenarios and situations in my life, the the more that I lean into the Lord, into the Lord and into his word, and the more I call out to Jesus and say, I remember what you did on the cross. This is yours to carry. When you hide his word in your heart, he will reflect on that and be brought back. In Psalm 103, it says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. 
Praise his holy name. Makes me want to sing, but you don't want to hear me sing because this is a song that we sing. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals your diseases. You, or who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord is compassionate. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. Abounding in love. Compassionate. Gracious slow to anger. How many of us have heard this verse before? Are you sure? Are you sure it's this verse? Because look at this verse here. Psalm 86, 15. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Was it that verse or was it this verse? Which one? Do you know? Do you remember? Okay, wait a minute. Maybe it was this one. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. Three times, three verses. I don't want to start preaching a number, uh, preaching a number, preaching a sermon on the number three, but it's very powerful. Three, the number three. On the third day, Jesus rose again. When he talked with Peter, he asked him, did he love him three times? Peter denied Jesus three times. We see this. In King David, three times. Very similar, recorded and shared with us. He says that a lot. And you know what's crazy about it? He didn't make this up. God said it first. God said it first. And he as he described himself to Moses in Exodus 34 and verse 6. He said it first there. David meditated on the words of the Lord and these verses, and he memorized it. And when things got bad and he was ready to be stoned, he turned to the Lord. He didn't have to go looking for the verses. He hid it in his heart, and he reflected on it and remembered it and remembered these verses. I want us to understand today one of the greatest tools that's out there. I want you to act like a cow. Got your attention. Say it with me. Act like a cow. Type it in the comments. Act like a cow. When I had the opportunity to work alongside 
my uncle, my mom's uncle in Tennessee, with cows, I learned that they do this wonderful thing called ruminate. And as a city boy, I began to understand what that was, and we're going to talk about it, because if you're city folk like I am, we got to understand this thing. You see, they get a mouthful of chew, not tobacco chew, you know, grass. And they're eating, and they chew on this, and they chew on it, and then they swallow it, and then they digest it, right? No, they throw it up, and they chew on it some more, and chew on it some more, and get the nutrients out of it, and then they swallow it, and then they throw it up again, and then they chew on it some more, and they really get everything out of it before they swallow it down. Why is it that they do this? Because they want every bit of nutrition that they can get out of it. As I thought of this story, it made me question and it made me wonder, how many of you take what you hear on Sunday and go home and chew on it, throw it back up, and then chew on it again? That's why I give it to you. That's why I put the time and effort in. It's not just to say, here you go. I don't want to chew it up, throw it up, chew it up, throw it up, and put it on a plate and serve it to you. I don't want to take all your nutrition. That's not fair to you. You've got to do that. You have to wrestle. You have to be willing to lean in. Ruminate. Meditate on God's word. When I mentioned fairly, uh, very early on the, the, the great struggle with, with a panic attack and anxiety that I had, I had to learn to meditate, but I had the wrong idea of meditation in my mind. I thought I had to sit there with my legs crossed. For one, I'm too fat to do that. Um, and, and I thought I had to have my fingers out, you know, and, um, and the incense going and all that, you know, stuff, you know, and the black lights and, the, and you know. And, uh, anyway, that's not what it was. It was clearing my mind, getting out and puking out the crap and giving it over to Jesus and saying, that is not of you. And then when it came back in, I chewed on it a little more and it didn't taste good, so I threw it up and got rid of it. But oftentimes we'll take it in and we'll take that bitter pill because that's what we're used to. Romans 15, verse 13, it says this. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow, overflow, like you're grabbing the gas pump and you're just still squeezing that sucker like it's 24 cents a gallon and you're just letting it go everywhere. Overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Guys, there's power in the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I must go so that one greater than I can come. There's power in the Holy Spirit in leaning into that and allowing change to take place in laying things at the altar and putting things at the feet of Jesus and choosing to move forward and choosing to ruminate and choosing to lean into him. You have to choose to be different. 
Some of you in this room and up there and on the other side of the screen, you need a negativity fast in your life. You have to break the chains. You have to break the bondage. You have to cut out the news. You have to cut out the social media. You got to stop going down the YouTube rabbit holes, okay? You got to stop. You've got to cut out some friends. But I'm called to witness to them. But if they're creating negative thoughts and negativity in your life, pray that God will bring the person into their life that can lead them. Because as you are a disciple of Christ, and we're going to be talking about this after Easter, there are three steps. There's cultivating, planting, and reaping. And you don't get to do all of them all the time. Some of you need to cultivate, some of you need to plant, and some of you need to reap. And maybe you're going, what are you talking about, Pastor Jason? We are. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the importance of this. This is how we grow churches. It's called discipleship. It's what Jesus did. When he went to Peter, he just didn't, he didn't hop into his boat without knowing him. He had a relationship with Peter. Then he hopped into the boat, and they set out. i got to be careful. I'm about to start preaching a different sermon here. We've got to cut it out. We've got to fill our mind with good news. All these radio stations, they give you like 30-day challenges, these Christian radio stations. Listen to me. Listen to us for 30 days. You know, I want to listen to that. Stop being negative. Turn it on. Listen to it. Give it a try. Your thoughts have, empower, your, your thoughts have incredible power, and you have incredible power over your thoughts. One of the things that I like to do when I'm wrestling and struggling is take some things like I'm about to share with you, and this is just really God's word um, paraphrased. And so as we look at cynicism, maybe you need to say this to yourself. You can take your phones out right now. I give you permission. Take your phone. Take a shot of this. Get it? Maybe if you struggle with cynicism, you need to say, with God's help, I will get rid of all bitterness and skepticism. I choose to believe the best about others and be kind, compassionate, and loving. I will love and forgive others as Jesus has loved and forgiven me. It's something to grab a hold of. Let's leave it up there for a second for people that want to grab it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward as we wind this thing down. The next is negative filtering. Maybe you need to hear this. Maybe you need to say this. Maybe you're like, my friend needs to hear this again. Great. Get your friends, but get yours too, okay? God, by your power, I take every thought captive and make it obedient to the truth of Christ because you are good. I choose to think on what's good, right, true, helpful, and worthy of praise as I trust in you. Your peace will guard my heart, my soul, in my mind. Maybe it's the absolute thinking one, and you need to say this. As Jesus loved and accepted me, I will love and accept others rather than always being right. Woo! Huh. Uh-oh. There's trouble with this one. Rather than always being right, I'm called to always be loving. There's a thought. Rather than just making a point, I choose to make a difference. Whoo! Whoo! That's a good one. In humility, 
I choose to love others above myself. Blaming is the last one. God has given me a life and a mind of my own. Do you reckon God has given me a life and a mind of my own by his grace, by his son going to the cross and taking your sins? I will own my choices and choose God's best for me. I believe I have been given everything I need to accomplish everything God wants me to do today. In Christ, I will overcome. Amen. These four areas, your thoughts are incredibly powerful. You have incredible power over your thoughts. We have to stop being the victim and be the victor. We have to let it go. We have to lay it down. And again, this morning as they come and as they share in this time of worship, I want you to understand that these these steps which represent an altar, it's a place to lay things down and come to the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus What's going on up there I'm dealing with? And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I'll deal with it when I get home. You know what? There's something about coming and laying it down before you get out of here because that's something that you own and that you hold on to and you don't want to let go of that. See, you've built that. That's yours. At least that's what you think. But you have to lay it down and let it go. He carried it for you on the cross he took hell on for three days for the struggle that's going on in your mind and you're living in an earthly hell why because you want to own it it's yours it's not he took it for you he took the negativity he took the frustration he took all of it for you and those that hurt you and have hurt you in your life, he took it for them too. And I know sometimes that's a hard one to wrestle with. But he took it for each and every one of us. It's not an easy process. But it starts with Jesus. And that's where it started for me. One thing after another after another, laying it at the foot of the cross, saying it's yours. And that's what I want to give us the opportunity to do this morning, is if you're struggling, if you're wrestling with something, one of these areas, maybe it's something different completely, is to bring it at the foot of the cross, to lay it down, to whether you want to physically write it down, or whether you just want to throw it in this trash can. You, if you don't have something to write it down, call it out, lay it here, and come up and just dump that sucker. It's not yours to carry. Throw it away. Let it go. Let it go. 
and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Father, as we enter into this time of worship, we pray for your anointing. We pray for your Holy Spirit to just cover each and every one of these seats and speak to the hearts of those that are sitting here that are online with us this morning. Father, just do what it is that you do. Change our hearts so that when we leave today, we're different than when we walked in, Father. Help us to bring our burdens to you. We've carried them for far too long. Pray that we'll just lay them at your feet. Amen. Please feel free to stand in worship. Come to the altar. Sit and pray where you are. We have a song that we're going to play, but something that I found really useful years ago, and I did it with high school kids, but I think uh, adults would understand. We have this knife to our clothes feet. Rip a portion of it off. Write what you need to get rid of. If you can do it in one word, that'd be great. You got to use the whole sheet. I'll, I'll take the brunt for throwing stuff away, but come up here. Throw it away at the foot of the cross. Amen? I hear your invitation to let it all go. I see it now. I'm laying it down. I know that I need you. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. My heart needs a my soul needs a friend, so I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. Yeah, yeah. 
God, we need to lay it at your feet. When we don't do that, we're just holding it in. Get rid of it. It's got to go. That's what the trash girl's there for. We release it. Let it go. who are coming to lay down whatever it is that they need to lay, to throw away, to lay it at the altar. That's what this is all about. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for those who are here and willing to step into that and lean into that. Father, I pray right now for those who are seated, for those who are on the other side of the screen, who are wrestling, who are struggling to get rid of it, to let go of it. I pray that you break those chains, that you break the bondage right now. I feel it. I sense it. I feel a wrestling. I feel a healthy tension in this room, and it's okay to have that. But I pray for those who don't want to lay it down, that they would lay it down at your feet, Jesus. It's yours. They have 
to stop carrying it. It is yours to carry. It is theirs no more. You came. You died on the cross so that we could have life and have it abundantly to the fullest. And right now they're not living that. They're wrestling. They're holding on. They're enjoying the negativity. They're enjoying the nasty, the conversations with people. They're enjoying talking bad about others because they can own that. It's hurt. It's theirs. And they're not letting it go. Father, their hearts need broken and then restored at your feet. And so I pray for that this morning. I pray for that restoration. Thank you for what you're doing and how you're moving. 